Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fowles. My guest today is Veronica Isabel Dahlberg. Veronica is the daughter of Mexican and Hungarian immigrants. Her father was a Hungarian refugee who met her mother in Mexico. She is the founder and executive director of Hola Ohio, which works to empower Latinos through leadership development, civic engagement, and advocacy. Bienvenida a este episodio, Veronica. Sí, muchísimas gracias. Es un placer estar aquí con usted. Uh, you, Veronica, you have been very active and passionate about the Latino community in Northeast Ohio, and especially regarding immigrant rights. Tell me about this connection with your advocacy and your personal story. Yes, well, you know, it's my personal story. I'm still learning, which is really incredible to me as I continue to dig through some of the documents and letters and photos that my parents left behind um, after they both passed away is when I really started to learn a lot of the trials and tribulations that they went through as immigrants to this country, to Ohio. And, um, and I, but I think as a child, I, as like so many children of immigrants, you are very perceptive of the way that your parents are treated. Um, you're very sensitive to how they react to certain things. So I just think as a child, I was seeing the discrimination that my parents faced both for their language, um, first not even speaking English, but then speaking with a heavy accents and how people would respond to that and how they were treated. Um, and my mother, of course, being Mexican and the comments and things that were constantly said to her and so I think as a child you just pick up these clues and um, and it just um, I don't know something in me clicked and I was also that interpreter for my parents and for mm -hmm. other family members and um, over the years I just uh, got more and more involved in helping other people not just my own family members but others and finally just uh, started the organization Ola. Talk to us about the work that Ola Ohio does. Well, Ola Ohio has been around for 20 years now, based in Painesville. And originally, we, um, you know, we always had kind of an identity crisis as an organization because we formed as a group of women that wanted to help the Latino community, mm -hmm. a group of Latinas, but we really didn't know how, and we didn't have a lot of experience, so we just started to you know, address immigration issues, health issues, employment issues, discrimination, and so on, helping families connect to services and WIC and so on, interpreting in hospitals, courtrooms. Um, all of that was the original work that Ola did. And then over the years, you know, we've expanded, you know, to now being a 501c3 mm -hmm. organization, and we provide not only services, but we focused a lot on community organizing. So our goal as an organization was to empower the Latino community so that um, we Latinos can use our own voices to 
improve our lives, to understand policies and work to change those policies that were creating barriers to progress in our communities. So um, we would do things like take um, groups of people to Washington, D.C. every year, which I've done for 15 years now, mm-hmm. um, to visit our members of Congress on the Hill, our senators, to see how the political process works. Um, and so that was a big part of OLA, working to change the immigration policies that were harming so many families Um And so that's still a part of it. We now call it civic engagement, but we also um, provide at no cost um, evaluations, um, I guess, consultations with licensed immigration attorneys. We can even help with legal fees. We help with DACA fees. Mm -hmm. We can assist people who are struggling economically through the pandemic. So there's really a whole range of services that OLA can provide. And, um, we help many, many dozens of people every week. Right. And Ola is not just uh, serving the Painesville um, community, right? You've expanded expanded, sorry, um, your reach to basically all of Northeast Ohio, right, including Cleveland area. Yes. we. I like to say we don't turn anybody down, and we do serve all over. We're working on a case in Akron right now. We've helped individuals in Columbus with rent. Mm. Uh, We work all the way out to Toledo um, and to Ashtabula. So we cover pretty much, I would say, the northern half of the state Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, Because really with the farm worker population, which is mostly um, the clientele that we get, you know, they work all over in some of the most rural areas. And um, so, yeah, that's there's no, we don't have any borders with Ola. Mm-hmm. That's great. What are some of the biggest challenges that Ola faces, um, maybe in particular at this moment, um, especially with the pandemic and, and, and some of the limitations that we, we face, but, but also, you know, throughout the years as you, you've been um, leading this with the different, you know, immigration policies and things like that? I think, yeah, there's several challenges. I think one of them when we're speaking about policy is that as a, as Latinos, we're not taken seriously. Um, we don't, we have a lot of power, but we haven't really used it yet. So as a result, when I go to Washington, D.C., it's hit or miss, but most of the time it's hard to get a meeting with a member. You know, you raise money, you get everybody trained and you get in a van and you drive six, seven hours out there, you have to pay hotel, everything just to get a five minute meeting with a congressman and then for them to cancel on you or just say, no, we don't have time to see you. um, That's kind of to me encapsulates what I mean when we, when I say we don't have any power. And so that's very defeating, sometimes demoralizing Um, the, the ways that we're not taken seriously. Of course, they'll, you know, often come to our events and take selfies and post them, but we want something more substantive than that from our elected officials. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of challenges, I think that's one of them. And, um, and also like any Latino led nonprofit as Ola is, um, a lot of the foundations, you know, foundations in general give less than 1% to Latino-led nonprofits. So mm. for Ola, it was always a struggle 
always a struggle. I mean, we operated on a shoestring budget or maybe no budget, um, but that didn't stop us because we knew that we had work to do and we didn't want, um, it wasn't really dependent on that. Um, now today I can say, thankfully, you know, we're getting support that we hadn't got before. Um, but now, you know, the challenge today, for example, or this week even, um, and those challenges change constantly, but, um, this year I would say the challenge is the pandemic and the vaccines and just mm-hmm. the, our capacity as an organization to meet all of these needs and, you know, helping schedule people, helping educate people about the vaccines, um, interpreting for vaccine events. And, and just, there's a lot of demands on us. Um, last year, uh, you know, the demands for making sure we get people registered to vote, but mm-hmm. also worrying that people aren't catching COVID, um, making sure people get out to vote and, and then protecting families from some of the, very brutal policies, you know, that were in place uh, that targeted immigrants. So we were extremely busy as an organization trying to just sort through all of that, you know, protect families, yet empower them, and also protect their lives from this um, virus. So it's just a lot. Right. Um, Veronica, Ola works with um, the Latino community in, in like you, you mentioned, in, in Northeast or all of North of Ohio. But you also work uh, with immigrants or Latino immigrants. What are some of the biggest fallacies about immigrants, including undocumented immigrants in our community? Well, I think one of the biggest fallacies is that they're a drain on the system and that they don't pay taxes and that they just use all these services. And that is simply not the case. I mean, here in Ohio, especially where we have, you know, Ohio being an agricultural state, we have tens of thousands of immigrants working in the fields and not just in the farms, but also the horticultural nurseries, the dairy farms, the horse farms. In each of those different um types of um, systems, you have immigrant workers that are doing backbreaking work, work that few other people want to do or can do. And so um, they're contributing mightily to our economy and to the communities where they live. So that's, I think, one of the biggest fallacies is that uh, somehow they're a burden Um, They actually feed us. They're picking all the apples. They're harvesting all the tomatoes and the blueberries and um, producing the milk and working in the meatpacking plants. Um, So they're very important in that way. The other fallacy is that immigrants don't pay taxes, and Mm -hmm. they, in fact, do pay taxes. Anybody could just do some minimal Google searching and see, you know, the millions of dollars that are paid in Ohio alone by undocumented immigrants in taxes. Mm-hmm. And Ola, you know, one of our longest running programs that we've done since 2003 has been a free tax clinic in partnership with um, accounting students at Lake Erie College. And we mm-hmm. have the IRS there and others. And this was a way for people to get their taxes done correctly and mm-hmm. safely. And, um, and it's, you know, Obviously, undocumented immigrants are required by law to do their taxes, whether mm-hmm. or not they have papers, and they do do their taxes because uh, it's often needed for any kind of immigration 
process that they might be going through. So mm-hmm. those are two of the biggest fallacies. Right. Right. And you see them coming through. So this, I mean, it's not just some story. They come to your clinic to complete their taxes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Veronica, tell me about a recent person or family that uh, has benefited from Ola's resource. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> this week was really something. We've had five major cases this week. Um, I was about to post about it, but... Uh, mm-hmm. We had a victim, for example, um, in another county who um, was victimized in a terrible crime five Mm -hmm. years ago, and she had no help. And we had been trying to get what's called a certification so that we could apply for a special visa for her for victims. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, her child was lost um, in in the crime. Mm And um, and we actually finally secured that yesterday. So she was elated to know that now we're filing a petition to put her on a path to legal status in this country so she can finally have some peace of mind and stability. But in addition to that, we had a Painesville family with five children that have been here for 20 years. Um, the dad had been working at a company where he was... Um, treated terribly and it took a psychological toll on him and uh and um in any case through working with the attorney we are also found out that we will be able to place them on a path to legal status Mm -hmm. and the children told me just yesterday that we're making their dreams come true for Mm -hmm. their parents Mm -hmm. and um you know we have another family too with four children same thing uh that we are they just went to get their fingerprints on Friday after many, many years in the community undocumented. Mm-hmm. When they came to Ola and told us uh, their situation, we were able to consult with their licensed attorney and found that they did, in fact, qualify to apply for legal status. So we helped them with that. We even paid part of their legal fees. And um, and then finally, the one that I did post on my personal Facebook today mm-hmm. was about uh, I don't know if you saw this one, but um, this case really took, um, I don't know, it just really captured our heart because this was an essential worker in Cleveland who had been living and working for 20 years in the city as a prep cook. And um, we were contacted when he was hospitalized um, for malnutrition. Mm. And um, I just found it incredible to me that you could be a prep cook mm-hmm. in a restaurant. Ironic, yeah. Mm-hmm. in a city that is kind of the hospital center of the world and be hospitalized with malnutrition and he, he was un- unable to walk. And so we were able, able to help pay his rent. Um, he had um, stopped eating, you know, he didn't have any money. His hours were reduced because of the pandemic. So there were all these problems that were just compounding in his life. And um So to take the pressure off him, we were able to pay his rent. We were able to find a primary care doctor that could really take a look at his situation Mm. and see what was going on and and sadly determined that this was a very sick individual that had gone 10 years without any medical care for his diabetes. Mm. Like many undocumented immigrants, um, he just didn't get help and... You know, and obviously there's a lot of elected officials that made it that way. They want to make sure that undocumented immigrants cannot access um, medical care or get insurance. And so this was the result of that, is that you have people like this individual who 
gave the best years of his life here, but was unable to get care. And what it did was it caused serious damage to his nerves to the point where he can no longer walk or even eat Mm. very much. And um, he determined that he was just ready to go back to his home country um, so that his mom and sister, who haven't seen him in 20 years, Mm. um, could care for him. So sadly, you know, he came here with some dreams when he was 22 years old and, and he's going back in a wheelchair um, mm. at the age of 42 so that his mother and sister could care for him. We purchased his plane ticket for him, which was a one-way ticket. It cost $1,300. We, we wanted him to go in dignity. So we paid extra for extra leg room. I mean, we got the wheelchair service. We right. made sure he would have things to help him when he got home. And, um, in that case, yeah, it did get to me. He, he arrived safely on Sunday. And I think it's just kind of a story that shows you that not every person realizes the American dream here. Right. Right. Veronica, is there anything else you would like to say about your organization or initiatives um, or events coming up uh, with Ola? Well, I think one of the biggest um, initiatives about our organization right now is that we're in the process of developing a Hispanic community center in Painesville. Mm. And um, actually, our, our plans are going to bid this week, mm. and construction will begin probably in a month. And um, we will open in the the fall. And this will be a center where we can do a better job and increase our capacity to be able to help people, to be able to empower the Latino community, and uh, to build more wealth and to knock down the barriers in our community. So we will now have a space to do it in. And and this is really monumental for, for all and for the Latino community because for so many years, as an organization, we were kind of homeless, you know, we were operating out of borrowed spaces and Mm -hmm. church basements and different things like that. And, um, and it just, we never had our own space and we felt this is the time is now we need our own space where, um, a safe space that is for us. And we don't have to worry about, you know, having to move if a building is sold and that sort of thing. We, we purchased our building a year ago and, um, now we're going to be developing it out. So we're very excited about that. And just what it represents to us, too, is that we survived. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, Veronica, thank you so much for all the work uh, that you do um, and and all the people that you serve. And uh, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, Dr. Foles. It's really an honor to be on Ohio Abla finally. And um, I just applaud you for the great work that you're doing documenting our community. Thank you. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. 